Welcome to another episode of Ran Out of Talent. I'm your host, Joser Jr. My co-host, Ryan Greening, is taking the week off. He's just busy this week. Um, later on, we're going to have Nick Lovato on. He is one of the club officers up at LSRCC. He's going to fill us all in for requirements, camping requirements, all that stuff, and for whatever, for the MNRC round two coming up actually this weekend. Uh, But right now I would like to just get the show going a little bit and get through some of my notes that Nick probably won't care about too much. Yesterday I raced at Dollar Hobbies with my dad and Joe Three. So there was a bunch of racing going on yesterday, so they only got about 14 or 15 entries. There was four heats total. I ran two classes, so literally I did not go upstairs during the round in my pits. I seriously, martial race, martial race type situation. It was fun. I'm starting to get the stadium truck dialed in. We, uh, I've been working on it a little bit. You know, it was a lot like the Mini Truggy when I first got it. It wasn't good at first, but we've been wrenching and dialing it. And Senior helped a little bit yesterday with some front spring action with it. We got her going good. I won Stadium Truck. Uh, I believe Jeff Will took second and Mike Dolan third. And for two-wheel drive stock buggy man my car was super good but i just made mistakes and with the group of guys is a small group of guys but with those group with that group you cannot make a mistake so um craig krueger won that one second place was Dwayne fisher and third place was james dolan james dolan was there the whole time um he just made a close to last minute of the race mistake and he couldn't catch back up he's getting quick though he's putting it together then um for sportsman you know i'm gonna pause this and look it up because i forgot the second place name all right i'm back for winning that one was craig's son hayden krueger second was isaac bursch Joe 3 ended up in third. I don't know, man. So, Joe 3 was driving a really good line. The problem was he was over-jumping the jumps, and his car would pogo, and he'd just end up on his lid. I'm like, bud, you can't do that. And he just wasn't getting it. I tried explaining it any which way. And then in the main, I was marshalling, he crashed, and he looked at me and put his hands up like, what, I, I ain't mean it. It's like, dude, you know what you need to do. And he just wasn't doing it. I don't know. He is having an off day, I guess. Uh, the week before that, though, Joe 3 and I went up to Duluth for the weekend for the Minnesota State Champs. Uh, it was fun. I ran my A-scale for the first time in since October. And I just forget how much I like that car. You know, it's one of those cars when you are 
going through it, cleaning it up, getting it ready for the next race, you're like, oh, this is such a pain in the ass. Why do I keep doing this to myself? What's the point? There's no point in this at all. But then you put it on the track, it's like, oh, there it is. It is just an awesome drive no matter what. Um, I ended up fifth in nitro buggy and fourth in mini truggy. My mini truggy was really good. Uh, I'll tell you what, with mini truggy, we, there is such good racing between me, Mike Nesbitt, Rob Logan, and Ross Judnick to, if the point, if we didn't sell any mini truggies that day for the main day, I don't know what will. We put on a hell of a four-way battle for both dual A mains. Dual A mains for electric. It's kind of like, eh, you know, but it, it was cool. Honestly, I don't have the results up for that. Um, congrats to the winners, though. That was a fun race. I believe Tony Sletton won Nitro Buggy. Or was it Alan Smith? No, it was Alan Smith. Excuse me, it was Alan Smith. Tony was leading. He flamed out. Alan Smith took the lead. He also won e-buggy. I'm a little bit all over the place here, but um, speaking of e-buggy, will knock out one of the questions that wasn't for Nick right now. I finally drove a JQ Black Edition e-buggy, a proper one, a good one. And honestly, when I drove it, I didn't know it was going to be good. It was uh, my friend Jason Chenard's. And it's no insult to Jason. It's just the last podcast we cut out a whole bit, Ryan and I. But I'm not going to say why. But part of that I can say. I wish we had a racer like Ashton Abdul up here racing a JQ vehicle. Somebody that's up there. Somebody that's fast. Somebody's vehicle who is proper. Like, I, most people who are just starting out, and it's just because they're starting out, I could go through their car, and I could find at least six mistakes that they made that's going to cost a major time. And then somebody like Tony Sletton or Kyle Holmberg could go through it again and find two more mistakes. It's one of those situations. Nothing against them. We all start somewhere. So anyway... I drove Jason's JQ. It actually felt really good. It felt like he had his car on point. The only thing I would have changed on it would be the tires. And there, I think it was the tires catching. Um, it was a little funky over some of the ruts, but I think that was more the tires catching. He had a taller pin on. Uh I really, on my Nitro Buggy, I really enjoyed Blue Rehabs. I would check temperature. You might end up on R2 Rehabs next weekend, but definitely Rehabs. He had, I believe, Buckshots on. I think they're S4 or M4 Buckshots. A little bit taller pin, a little bit. I think those might have been catching. But the E-Buggy felt really good. Except one thing that is not Jason's fault. It drove like a damn e-buggy and not a nitro buggy. The trigger was like a light switch. It didn't feel good at all. 
if I'm driving an e-buggy, I want it to have the same kind of throttle curve as my mini truck, any of my vehicles, any of my 10 scale vehicles. I want it to have that throttle curve. But it's like you hit the throttle and, I, and it's not just Jason's car. I was listening to other e-buggies. You barely touch the throttle and it's like, boom, it, it takes off too quick. You can't, there, there's nothing on the bottom end to make it smooth. Like a 10 scale ESC, just to be crude, let's say it's got 10 points of curve. An e-buggy ESC has four at best. And that's what they need to fix, man. The cars are fine. The cars are now good. Back in the day when e-buggy came around, they sucked. They really did. Now battery technology is coming a long way, and they're rearranging the chassis a little bit to have better weight distribution for the e-buggy, all that stuff. Need a good ESC. And a lot of people think Teakin might be the answer. Guess what? There were people there, I'm not going to name names, they had Tekken ESCs in their vehicle, and they sounded like a piece of shit too, to be honest. It's not good. It's not good. So, I, And you know what, though? It could also be the motors. So anyway, yeah, the JQ buggy, man. If, if I wanted to go full JQ for my A-scale program, I wouldn't hesitate now. I can say that for sure. Except you ESC manufacturers and motor manufacturers need to get your heads on right. What you're doing right now is no longer acceptable. It's like the cars have caught up, but the ESCs have not. Uh, what else do I have? Oh, so I'm sure you've all seen it. But Driven, episode one came out early last week. The next one's coming out next month sometime. It was actually really well done. You can watch it with your spouse. It's on YouTube for free. It's really good. You, They don't focus so much on the racing, but more behind the racing situation. Like they address the Scotty Earn situation and the whatever that I forget the guy's name. Everybody who tried to throw RCGP under the bus, they included that. Uh, it was. It seemed like there was a little bit of a lack of communication all the way around for round one, and I bet when RCGP comes back for 2021. They're going to be a lot more clear with their intentions. I would assume so. Like Scotty thought he would be there all year long. To where his deal was actually race by race. And then after round one. It almost seems like they blew their budget to be honest. I am kind of excited though. For RCGP to come back in 2021. Depending on where the rounds are in America. I might try the RC2 class. That seems like a lot of fun to go. It, everybody's looking at like Wicked Weekend or Psycho Nitro Blast with all these entries. It's just not my deal. I want to get maximum track time. I think they 
limit RC2 to like 120 or 150 entries, really low. It's just one class. That That's more my style. Um, before we call up Nick, I do want to bring up one more quick thing. So the Minnesota no prep drag racing thing's really been taken off all over the state. And, yeah, man, I just wanted to make mention of it. I like to see what they're doing. They're doing as much poss- as much as they can without having to be stuck with, like, a permanent location, all that stuff. There's a little bit of back and forth between groups, but it is what it is. And, again, I've said it before, I'm not going to buy into it. I'm not buying a no-prep car. And if I do, it's just going to be for Joey and I to buzz up and down the street with. I I just, I can't, man. It's it's not my bag. I do respect it, and I do get the people that are doing it. Not my thing. I'm not going to, yeah, I'm not going to be a part of it, but I will support it on here. If you want to figure it out, and if you want to get into it, whatever, I would, um, PM Shelby Tompkins. He's the one putting on a few of the races and all that stuff. And he's got his stuff pretty dialed. But yeah. Anyway, I'm going to pause it right here and we're going to give Nick a call. All right. I am back with LSRCC treasurer Nick Lovato. How's it going tonight, Nick? It's going well. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. It's been a pretty good weekend. Did a little bit of racing at Dollar Hobbies. Did a quite a bit of jiu-jitsu today, so it's an awesome weekend. So is Dollar with uh, indoor racing, are they having any kind of restrictions there? I haven't seen anything online regarding anything. For sure, masks in the hobby shop and around the track area. But upstairs, I heard stuff different stories i didn't hear from an actual employee that masks are supposed to possibly be i do i wore mine all day because i don't want to be the person to get them fined well and that that's kind of as a, a small business owner as well uh personally it, it's such a slippery slope on what is correct and what isn't correct and if someone is non-compliant does it fall on the business does it fall on the the person who isn't Right, um, you know, and what you're supposed to do. So, you know, it, it, it's kind of a challenging time for everyone, including the RC. It is for sure. Um, at work, I have to wear masks, but we're not a public place. It's one of those things. It's a weird gray area to where my bosses are like, we're not even going to mess with it. Now, do you guys have the ability to be distance? I mean, are you close by people? Oh, yeah. I'm about 15, 20 feet away from the next person to me okay well and the indoor airspace sharing is different than the outdoor airspace sharing too from everything that minnesota has told us like for example i work in an office and then our our shop space is you know about 8500 square feet in the office mass we got to wear the masks if there's customers but if there's not because our our desks are spread apart far enough we don't have to wear them so it's kind of off and on throughout the day Right, right. So, all right. 
I, I got actually a list of questions for you. We're going to start out, how did you get into RC car racing? Because you've been in it about five, six years now. Yeah, actually, I, I raced real cars um, on uh, the dirt circuit, uh, Superior and Proctor mainly, but uh, I hit up about 15 different tracks uh, throughout Minnesota and Wisconsin. Uh, I started in uh, the pure stock racing in 2001. Yep. And then ended in the modifieds in 2011 was my final year. Uh, but I had a, a stop in the Midwest mod class as well along the way. But uh, the time that went into that was just more than um, I had available. Uh, my son was getting into sports and they were always looking for coaches. And uh, he played soccer. The soccer board was looking for officers. You know, they were looking yep. for people to help. So. Uh, I like to be involved. I mean, I, I'm happy to give back. So, you know, the time side of it uh, on the real racing was, you know, you basically work on the thing four nights a week from the time you get home until, you know, probably midnight, right. go to work, work 10 hours, work five or six in the shop every night, and then on the weekend, go go run. But I just didn't have the the energy at that point to do both things. So I got out of, of the real car racing and, uh, uh, a friend of mine had tried uh, tried uh, outdoor racing at the the chill on the hill with uh, a rental slash. For, okay. And they were actually in the horse barn that year, so he said it was really fun. Yeah. And uh, they had uh, they were starting their prep for the on road season at the armory, and he said that if enough guys have these you know tracks of slashes, they'll run a class for us. So yeah. ten of us made our own class and we ran against each other every night and had a blast. And, you know, I saw the other cars out there and, you know, the VTAs, the 12 scales, the world GT, you know, foams at the time and said, you know, those look like a lot more fun than these, uh, bulky, you know, ill handling trucks. And, yep. you know, kind of, uh, said, you know, I want to try those and, uh, ended up getting a VTA and then a 12 scale. And, uh, I guess the fuse was lit. Right, right. I remember you guys doing that. Wasn't you and Shane Madrinich with uh... yep, Shane Shane Madrinich, and then there was a, a bunch of his uh, workers he he was working with at the time at, at a company that we actually sold paint to. Okay, um, but it, it was a lot of his crew from there, and they they all bought the trucks as well because, I mean, for realistically two hundred dollars to to get into it, you know, with the battery, with the remote, with everything. Right. You know, it was like, it's a no brainer. And then, you know, the, the group of guys that was, you know, at, at LSRCC at the time, you know, was very willing to help people. And it was, you know, it was just a, a, a nice atmosphere. It, it kind of, it reminded me of when I, when I raced initially, the dirt track guys were that way. You know, it was a lot of camaraderie. There was a lot of help. You know, if someone needed something, everyone would jump in and help, et cetera, like that, to where right. when I kind of got out of the real cars, um, no one was really willing to do that, you know, and it even got to the point where if someone got a flat tire, you know, when I first got into it, everyone would run over and help to, mm -hmm. at the end, it was, you know, everyone kind of laugh and point. It's like, you know, that's not really what it's supposed to be about. No. You know, I get, I get that there's a competition side of it, but at the flip is, you know, uh, the willingness to help, uh, that's kind of what hooked me into the RC really hard was everyone there. I mean, yes, there is the 1% that there are a couple jerks out there, but 
the majority of the guys, you know, are, are good guys and, and are willing to, to either lend a part or advice or set up tips, et cetera. So right. you know, it kind of, uh, it steamrolled from there. Yeah. That has always been a big part of the hobby because I think a lot of people realize that if they don't help and if somebody has a bad time a few weeks in a row, they're not going to come back. Yeah, and that, that's something that, you know, from the first day I was there, you know, and I've got to be good friends with a lot of these guys, but, I mean, I'll use John Weida, for example. You know, he's a national driver, and he's running these big events, but, you know, a new guy walks through the door at LSRCC, and he's willing to help them the same as if your buddy's with him or yeah. whatever, you know, giving back to, to those guys to say, hey, you know, I understand, you know, the goal is to hook you so that you guys stick around, but to see guys like that do that, you know, that, that sends the message that, you know, we're all inclusive too. Right, right. So you've, you've been part of the LSRCC crew for since you started. Um, how did you become a treasurer in the club? So for the armory racing, those, those are the people that don't know. We, we would have to set up and tear down the track every race day uh yeah. it's, it's a lease space to where you know it's the, the the national guards drill floor so we can't leave anything up permanent like a, a hobby shop that has a track or, or anything like that so you know i would always show up early and leave late you know to you know i'd see guys like uh gary pona our club president you know is is not a spring chicken by any means and to see him you know basically busting his tail all the time too it said you know i i should be helping out as well so you know, I did the the setup and the teardown and, and tried to help out as, as much as I could in that regard. Yep. And, you know, basically, you know, he would always ask, you know, how do we, we get you on to do more? You know, I, I kind of was confused at the time and saying, you know, I'm, I'm kind of doing everything I'm being asked here. What what more are you after? And I said, you know, there's a whole nother side to RC. Sure. Uh, especially at the club level. You know, for you know and that that's something that for a lot of people too you know we're a hundred percent volunteer run i mean everyone that is on our board is doing something you know either on their own time you know no one is getting paid no one is getting a free ride you know everyone is is doing these things just to see the club do well yeah I know. So after a couple years after a couple of years of that he said you know are you interested in being on the board and you know, there really wasn't a specific thing, you know, and that, that's something we've been working on too, you know, is what are the positions that, you know, what is the purpose or what is the title or, you know, what are the responsibilities so that, you know, if there's something I don't want to do, I can say, Hey, I just don't have time for that. Right. So have you, um, tried getting your kids into racing at all? I know sometimes it can be a challenge. So actually my son started with me when we did the slash deal, but, yep. um, he was kind of at that age where, you know, it wasn't starting to be cool to hang out with your dad. Uh, yeah. and then, you know, he started to chase after girls too. And that was way more fun than hanging out with dad. Right. You know, my daughter's starting to get in that. I'm too cool to hang out with dad age <laughs> kind of sucks. So I feel you. Yeah. Um, uh, but to get back to how I became the treasurer, uh, you remember Tice, Dwayne Tyson? Yes. 
his wife uh, ran into some health issues, so that position opened up. And initially, I was busy doing some things with the shop, so uh, Kevin Van Ert took over that role. Okay. But with his uh, his practice, you know, he was in uh, the private you know sector and had his he was doing you know his own firm work and just really didn't have time to put to do the job the way that it, it really should have been. Yep. So. He basically came back and said, you know, I, I'm making sure the bills are paid, but nothing else is getting done. So I need someone else to do this. I just physically can't do everything that, you know, and I said, well, you know, things are opening up a little bit for me. I'll give it a whirl. And yeah. so you know, that that's kind of how I got into that end of it. But then the, the treasurer became, you know, then we're doing accounting and we're doing the, the back book working and we're trying to get everything organized so that, you know, before, you know, we, we say that the track use is for LSRCC members, the outdoor track, our, our permanent home out, right. outside for the summer. You know, people would always ask, how do you become a member? Where do we pay? Who do we need to talk to? And we'd always kind of miss out on those people because they'd see the sign, they'd inquire, but then there really wasn't a good answer on, okay, we race on Thursdays. you got to come on Thursday and see the treasurer. Right. So we, we set it up and said, you know, now we have a PayPal option to, you know, if, if people send us a message during the week, here's what we can do. And the past couple of years, the amount of people that have bought memberships that we never physically see ever is incredible. That's crazy. I, I, I believe we're up to like uh, like 75 members who never run a, run an event. Yeah, they're probably there on a Tuesday afternoon when nobody's around. Right, yeah, the, them and their kids show up and, and go have fun, and, you know, they have their tracks trucks or whatever. Yep. And, you know, they, they just go play and have fun. But that's something that the club just didn't capitalize on, you know, prior. So coming up with some of those things, that's increased, you know, you know our, our operating budget, too, as to, you know, what we have four different things i went to the first club race that you were able to have this year and the minnesota state champs and i was happy to see the amount of racers and participation you guys had i know it's been sometimes a little low here and there and rain keeps people away and all that stuff but man you guys had to jump through some hoops to make this season happen. So what did you guys have to do? Cause I know it was an uphill battle most of the time. Yeah. And that, that will back up to, uh, you know, as far as your, your comment on numbers, the, it seems to be where one year the, the outdoor season is great and the indoor season is low or that they'll flip. When I first got into it, Indoor numbers were huge. I mean, we have 40 to 50 guys, you know, in like 70 entries yep. on a Thursday night at the Armory. And then we'd have 20 guys outside all summer. Mm -hmm. We basically have flipped those numbers now where the, the Armory is getting 20 to 25 and the outdoor track is getting that 40 or 45. I mean, when we have a weekend event, sometimes the Thursday following or the Thursday leading into it is a little lower, but... I think that our average for this year is 34 drivers and 60 entries or 55, 60 entries. That is crazy so that, for a Thursday night. 
I mean, crazy for, good. For Thursday, yep. So it, uh, we're, we're certainly happy with that. But uh, as far as hoops, the, the coronavirus, uh, obviously, we had to shut down our season before the indoor state champs, uh, the race that we host at the deck. Yep. And we were coming into the end of our, I mean, this was probably, we had our last indoor club race. Uh, I think it was either the last Thursday in February or the first uh, Thursday in March. And the, the state champs was set up to be the weekend of the 20th through the 22nd. Yep. And we kind of, we, we had heard some rumors and, you know, I have some, uh, some friends who are in city government and they said, you know, beware that the, the state of Minnesota and the state of Wisconsin were talking about the lockdowns, which, I mean, that ended up being eight to 10 weeks where, you know, they, they use the word quarantine. I don't like that word. No. It's more of a stay at home order, but. Um, we came into that on-road champs kind of in hold, you know, because we knew it was coming and we didn't want to spend a bunch of money on trophies and stickers and, you know, advertising and everything else. So, you know, we had the setup open for that race and numbers were down and, you know, people were contacting us from Canada saying, you know, are we going to be able to get across the border, et cetera. So when that event canceled and, you know, for those that don't follow the club, you know, that, that's a, a big chunk of our operational budget that we make at that race because of how many people come. So to, to, to not have that, you know, then it started to be, you know, our, our rent at the armory is a lot of money. So that usually subsidizes our rent for the, the winter time. Yeah. Now what are we going to do? So we kind of led into the lockdown and, you know, we're, we're, we're still having discussions, you know, if this thing continues, what are we going to do for the outdoor season? Mm-hmm. So uh, we normally run off-road from mid-May every Thursday through the first, uh, actually the last Thursday in September, and then the chill on the hill is the, the first weekend in October. Right. So we had a Zoom meeting, you know, in the middle of April when everything was locked up, and the discussion was, are we even going to be able to have a season? Mm-hmm. And the the Minnesota state guidelines at the time were you couldn't have groups of more than 10 people on site together at one time. And to not even be able to have, you know, say 10 people as our track crew, how are we even going to get this thing built? How are we going to get the, the track repaired? How are we going to get the, the workday stuff done to get the facility even ready? Yeah. So we we kind of came up with our initial comprehension plan and just said, you know, here's what we're going to do is, you know, eventually things are going to soften. So we'll, we'll set up everything at the 10 and then, you know, pray that things open up enough to even if you said that 25 or 35 or 50 or whatever the number was initially, if they say that you can have more than 10 people, we'll be green lighted to do something. Sure. So, I I mean, I, I always thought it was kind of ridiculous that they had that requirement for outdoors in, a, in places where you could space apart. I mean, you could really, you know, I went to the first club race, was that at the end of May, I believe? Yeah, it was the, the I think it was the last Thursday in May, but... Um, 
I agree with you 100% that, I mean, if you're in open airspace, then that should alleviate some of your, you know, if you say transmission concern. You know, if you're in shared airspace or in an indoor space or tight together, you know, that, that was kind of our take. But the state just said, this is the way it is. We're not taking any chances. And then we lease our, our ground space from the fairgrounds in Proctor. Okay. So it, it's kind of, um, we have to bring our, our plan to the fair board first. And then the fair board, they, their, uh, you know, board then decides if the plan works for them. And this is for even our normal race seasons. We have to bring them, you know, what we're planning to do, our insurance, et cetera, so that they know we're handling our end as far as our lease is concerned. Yep. Now we had to bring this COVID plan to them as well. And so besides the COVID plan then, you know, we needed to prove that, you know, we could space people out. We wouldn't let people that were, you know, non-family pitting together. We would have, you know, and we only have, 40 feet of driver's stand so that we could space and have six feet apart between the drivers. You know, you were there the first night. I mean, standing down on the pit lane was oh. option, you know, C or D on the list that Man, they accepted. That sucked. <laughs> but yeah, it, I got it. You. And it, it absolutely did. I mean, but it was what was needed to run. So, I mean, we, we, we brought this plan to, to the, the fair board. They accepted, you know, like the third or fourth rendition of it. And then they have to take that plan with, you know, basically we have to go along and then take it to the city of Proctor because that's the next step in the, in the chain is then the city says yay or nay. So they take that to council, the council decides, do we like this? Do we not? So our initial plan with the council got shot down. So, you know, we're getting, this is getting into the beginning of May. And, and they were on, on the, the path and saying that, you know, 10 people is still going to be the max. You know, you're not going to be able to have more than 10, you know. So we, uh, we, we got the track work done and, and basically said that if you're going up to the track and there is 10 people on site, even if you're going there to work, turn around and leave. Okay. So that's the max. If they go up there and they spot 11 people, we're done. We're not going to be able to have a season. Yep. So... That that leading into the beginning of May, then the restrictions softened just that little bit. Where I think Governor Walls called it turning back the dial, uh, and and they said that outdoor you know groups could be up to fifty people as long as social distancing could be handled, etc. So that opened the door for that plan that we submitted. Then all of a sudden, it met the state's requirement. You know. Nice. Um, the county health department had looked at some of the stuff that we had done because the city had passed that to them. And oh. we basically had to add in like directional walkways, um, you know, arrows on the ground, exit and enter only signs so that people weren't congregating and then walking past each other, you know, yeah. just a host of different things that uh, basically were appeasing the, the politicians end of it. Yeah, that's good. It's good that you guys were finally able to kick the season off, but man, it just sounds like a bunch of hell you had to go through. Honestly, well, it, was, it was a lot, a, a lot of bureaucracy. But I mean, going into it, we were on on both ends of the spectrum of saying, "Is it worth all the hassle?" And then the flip was, and this was the way I personally felt about it: was 
everyone's been cooped up for, you know, going on three months now. Yeah. We're either going to have a ton of people because there's nothing else to do, or we're going to have no one because people are scared. And I was of, you know, there's nothing to do. People want to run. They want to do anything. Youth sports are getting canceled. Um, you, people are looking for things to do with their kids. I said, we got to try. We got to shoot for this. And right. when that, that restriction opened up, we got our plans approved, and we opened that first week. We had a pretty decent turnout for the first night. I mean, I think that uh, we had 35 drivers on that first night. So I right. mean, 50 or 50 so, so entries for an opener is pretty good. It was. It was a blast, man. Um, and that was my first time coming back to race in however long it was also. So yeah, and, and I, I know I was only, hungry for it. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. The only downfall was, is, I mean, and you got stuck down there once, but the, the pit lane, obviously you're on plane with the track. So seeing some of the elevation changes and things like that, you know, it was a challenge, but at the same time, it was one of those things that, Hey, the challenge is worth it. If we can at least operate. Exactly. And then, you know, after a couple of weeks, we figured out too, where, uh, instead of just having random people go down there, we, uh, we had a random number generator so that, you know, we picked a number, you know, based on if there was more than seven people in a heat, you know, we'd run it in the, 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 the app that generated a number and whoever's number got pulled, they started the night out down there. So then after that qualifying, you know, if the top seven got to stand up top, the bottom three got to stand below. Okay. So it, it ended up working real well, and it, it it allowed us to, you know, get the season underway, fine-tune some of the things we were doing, but people bought in. I mean, the people that were there were, you know, really great about following the rules. You know, it, it's one of those things that people were excited to have something to do, something to look forward to. Sure. Um, I had another – oh, so I got a question um, – about when this all first started happening, how close were you to just canceling the rest of the outdoor season? Because the MNRC, man, when we canceled that second race, we were like, yeah, we might as well just cancel the season. Uh, we all had to kind of talk each other off of a ledge type situation. And ha we were split. I mean, half of our board was willing to do anything and everything to get this thing going. Yep. The other half was just ready to say, screw it. And, and you know, it's just not worth the effort. But personally, I mean, this is the connection that, you know, going back to having friends in local politics, mm -hmm. the, the mayor of Proctor and I have been friends since we were four years old. So well, that's we nice. did have a little, we did have inside track there on, you know, how we can make this work, what the rules are, exactly what the council is going to be looking for out of our plans. So he was a great help uh, in, in making sure that would happen. So had we had the old mayor that I hardly knew right. and that no one on the board really knew. Yep. I don't know that we would have gone through some of the steps we did, but uh, I'm happy to say that, you know, perseverance paid off. Right, right. Uh, and then... As we went, I mean, we, we, we did, uh, I think we only had one rain out in the first two months, but, uh, as we went, you know, things and restrictions started to lift and, 
you know, we, we were kept getting those same questions from people, you know, driving on a lower stand sucks. Is there anything we can do differently? You know, and then we started to, to say, well, the state champs and the MNRC, you know, they were about a month and a half out, you know, from state champs. And we're like, how are we going to make this work? You know, we can only have seven drivers on the stand because we have to accommodate the six foot spacing. Sure. You know, what is fair to people? And then, you know, we have nitro cars at the, at the state champs. And then obviously the nitro series is all about that. How yeah. are we going to pit them if people are standing on pit lane? So did you guys go through, like in my head, I was sitting here thinking, well, what if they use the bleachers on the other side? That was my first thought. Uh, that was discussed, but from an insurance standpoint, they, you know, we were worried about how do we secure railings to it? Right, how do we yeah. make sure that people aren't going to fall between the boards, etc.? Right. Uh, Gary, our club president, actually had an idea to build wings off of the container. Okay. Oh, yeah. To that go to the light pole, but that came back to the same thing. You know, how do we get people safely up there, but yeah. then also down? Because if, from an insurance standpoint, if we risk people getting hurt, is it worth it? Because then, you know, we're, we're hoping to make, you know, these races happen, A, because they're a lot of fun, but B, so that we can make some money for the club. Right. It's like, is it worth it even getting to that? And we kind of internally as the board said, you know, how about masks? And we, we actually had the conversation uh, with the fair board about uh, maybe a month before the state champs. And our idea was, you know, can we have 10 people up on, on the stand if they're wearing masks? We wouldn't be able to socially distance. And at the time, the state order said that masks were not an alternate. They needed to be used with. Right, right. So the, the fair board actually denied our, our, our ask and said that, you know, we just can't go forward with this because it's not in line with what the state is asking for. So then, you know, we were maybe, you know, two weeks out from state champs and we really hadn't come up with a perfect solution. And we kind of said, well, do we host the state champs as electric only, you know, and then say, we're going to do our best to try to figure out the nitro series. But if we're not able to come up with a way to safely put 10 drivers on even keel, I mean, that was the second part of it. Having three people down below, they're at a big disadvantage. Oh, for sure. You can't see the back left hand of the track with the old layout. Yep, it, it was it was you know because that section was so raised, you're on the same plane as that. So, we we were in that discussion. Then, what do we do about those? And it was like, I, I believe two weeks to the date. You know that Monday after where we had got shot down with the fair board, uh, the governor of Minnesota put out the mask mandate saying indoor spaces are required, and then in the fine print there was a, a section about outdoor use and it said right in the, in the, you know, the executive order, it was, if you cannot adequately social distance, masks are the alternative. Nice. So as soon as that came out, we had the green light and we, we, we did double check with both the County and the city and the fair board, and they said the same thing. They said, if that's in the executive order from the governor, we have to accept that. Yep, for sure. So 
that actually saved us. And as, as much flack as everyone is giving for the mask deal, I mean, not so much in the RC world. I mean, people want to race. They're going to do what they're going to do. Exactly. But for the people that, you know, you see on social media, et cetera, saying he can't force us to do this, yada, 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 that saved our ass. I mean, and I hate to say it any other way, but we would not have been able to host the state champs or the Nitro series in the manner we are now with limited work. You know, we would have had to come up with some other kind of solution. So, Sure. And that's that, the thing, that, too. Oh, go ahead. Go No, go ahead, Joe. I was going to say, people don't realize, but you guys actually had uh, city officials come out to the state champs and check to make sure the mask mandate was being followed the way it was written out so that that isn't anything new the whole season just about every race night and then you know we had a couple of saturday events too but there would be members from the fair board or there'd be members from the city council or there'd be members from just the you know the 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 area that would stop by and make sure that we were doing our comprehensive plan Right. You know, making sure that there weren't 10 drivers on the stand, making sure that, you know, people weren't going down the stairs, you know, when they're supposed to be going down the backside ramp. I mean, all those little things that we had put in play and people had bought into, you know, it it really was, you know, great to see that we could say, here's what's going on and just watch, watch how it's working. And then if there's something that you see that is wrong, you know, let us know. But every time they would come and say, no, you guys are doing a great job. And kind of a sidebar to that is the, we are the only event at the the fairgrounds that is actually happening. Yeah, Uh, that's right. The Um, the dirt, the the dirt track racing got shut down for the year just last week because they just can't make the, the limited people count work. Uh, The horse barn people, uh, they didn't really, have a good comprehensive plan. So they were shut down. 4-H was shut down. I mean, everything on that grounds were the only thing left. Right, right. Um, Joe 3 was actually kind of disappointed because uh, the Saturday night of the state champs, there was supposed to be a monster truck show. And that got shut down like the Thursday before. It was something really close to that. Yeah, they they were hoping that uh, the, the restrictions would lift just a hair more so that they could put more people in stands or in temporary stands or whatever, and it just didn't work out. So, Yeah, it's a shame. They, they, they had held out as long as we can. But, you know, going back to the mass thing at the state champs, you know, it was nice to see people understand that in order to race, this is what we had to do. It's not that we wanted to do that. It was this was the guideline that we had to follow. Right. And when... The, you know, the city of Proctor stopped by or the fair board stopped by. They saw that everyone, and I, I, I think maybe we've had one or two guys that, you know, either forgot or it fell off their face when they were racing or, you know, only had their mouth covered versus their nose. But, sure. I mean, for the most part, um, you know, basically just letting people know this is the way it works. You know, it's when you're standing on the driver's stand or if you're on pit lane, you know, basically anywhere around the, the shipping container. If you have it on when you're socializing, you know, down there. Yep. Otherwise, if you're at your own pit, at your camper, you know, if you're on the grounds talking to other people, if you can just 
you know, be respectful and, you know, socially distance. Right. You know, try, try and keep your conversations at six feet, you know, don't have 15 guys standing in one area. Yeah. Uh, all of those things. And, you know, they were very happy with, with the way the state champs went, not only from that, but the fact that the, the people that brought their campers were spread out as well. Yeah. That worked out. Re- I mean, it's nice. You guys have s- the amount of room to where you can space your campers out. Yeah. And we actually, uh, we have access now to that overflow racetrack parking lot that um, it basically extends all the way from the hill all the way across to the fence line for the speedway. Nice. So, I mean, there's there's basically a football field of space that, you know, we have access to use and, and guys can pull their campers in. Yep. So before we get into more requirements, um, you guys had a total track rebuild going on. How is that going? Is it finished yet? What's going on with that? Because I know... I saw a picture somewhere online that they scraped it and there's some jumps being built and it looks really good. Um, was there more progress done today? Uh, today we had a rain out, uh, oh. yesterday, uh, Con- Connor Ehlers, uh, and Kyle Holmberg actually designed the track. Yep. Uh, Kyle drew a layout, uh, with, you know, it, it's a little bit more flowing and open than our normal layouts are, which we kind of were, we don't care what you do. We just want something that's nice. We, right. uh, we haven't turned the dirt over for a couple of years now. You know, we've had a lot of remnants of old layouts that we've kind of interchanged with what we're using. So yep. said, we want to scrape this thing down to nothing and start over. Yeah. So yesterday they got, uh, that whole process done and they got everything roughed in for, you know, the jumps are, are built. The, the rhythm sections are built. Um, you know, tubing is ready to go down, which this week, uh, I think starting tomorrow night, guys will be up there doing that. But for the most part, I mean, we're probably at 75% completion. Awesome. That sounds good. Um, uh, yeah, yesterday we lucked out. I mean, the, the rain happened overnight on Friday and then overnight on Saturday. So they have an entire working day for, for what they were doing. So, and there, there was some volunteer help up there as well. That's good. Uh, so that, that that worked out good so for everyone that is uh coming from uh wherever to to race the nitro series you guys are going to have a a brand new fresh kyle holmberg uh design layout and connor uh the 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 dirt expert uh put the dirt where it belongs yeah um i saw kyle sent me a picture of the layout they're gonna put in i'm like man that looks like a lot of fun the last layout was a lot of fun for 10 scale but I went out there with my A scale uh, last week, and it's like, it's okay, but it's, it's it was so, tight for yeah, sure. Some and things it, were a know, bit tight. Our uh, our initial thought on that was is the the state champs race is more of a ten scale race, anyways. Back sure. when it was in Starbucks, yep. there wasn't any A scales, but we kind of feel like I mean, A scale is one of our you know like e buggy is our biggest class on a Thursday night. Right? How do we have? the majority of our guys that come every night on Thursday and then say, Oh, we can't run this event here at our track. So, you know, that's where we, we morphed it to include those cars. You know, we, we also, we want to have as many guys on hand as possible. Right. Uh, But you know, the track shaping, you know, we had to change it up a little bit from the layout we had at the start of the season so that 
you know, the people that were coming in didn't feel at a big disadvantage. Yep, for sure. For so sure. that that's where those little changes. I, I I should also give a shout out to our Canadian friends too. We'd have loved to see them at the state champs, and uh, you know, we're kind of bummed that the border remains closed because uh, we enjoy all those guys. And uh, you know, from a numbers standpoint, the state champs actually was a, a pretty well attended event for yeah. you know having fifty two drivers. You, you think about, you know, you, you have 15 to 20 Canadians that come down yearly for that event. Sure. You're talking 70 guys for an outdoor event. That's pretty good. That would have been awesome. Yeah. I mean, I just miss seeing those guys at the track. Like they're, yeah, they're, they're, it's, they're, they're a fun bunch. <laughs> it sucks that they're stuck, but I don't know when it's going to open back up either. You know, there are every. Everyone I've talked to up there doesn't believe that it's going to happen anytime soon. And they keep, you know, saying it was the 21st of April turned into June, turned into July, turned into August. You know, anytime we're getting within two weeks of that date, they're changing it. So, yeah, well, we dealt with that a little bit down here. You know, politics aside, there needs to be a clearer plan than what's happening. But, well, and I think that uh, it just boils down to numbers. And you, you can talk about the testing that's going on. You know, they're testing people that don't even have any symptoms. Right. You know, and, and that makes things look a lot worse than they actually are. You oh, know, for if sure. If you don't have any symptoms or aren't sick in the least, I don't understand why you need to get that test. Oh, but that's beyond me. That's Minnesota's going to shoot up like crazy from this weekend's numbers because... They had a bunch of free testing in Ramsey County. Yeah, and there's been free testing across the state. I, I'm curious in a week's time now that the, the mask mandate is a week old or a week and a half old. I'd like to see what happens with the numbers. You know, are they going to go down like they're suggesting or, you know, is it going to be the same? You know, if the numbers don't change, is it working or then does it become, well, people aren't complying? Yeah, tomorrow is two weeks. So tomorrow is two weeks. Okay. Yeah. We'll yeah and it, it would take another week or so to get an accurate count. Cause they say, you know, seven to 14 days before something actually happens. Sure. Sure. But anyway, yeah, I, I mean, that's a, uh, the whole thing's just a slippery slope. I always thought if we really quarantined at the start of the thing, like really two weeks here in your house, that's it. We could have possibly done better, done something different, but, I don't know, man. It is what it is. It's We just got to keep dealing with it, I guess. Yeah, and I mean, from a, a personal standpoint, too, I mean, you, I, I like to look at the, the, the numbers that might be more on the morbid side. What are we doing for hospitalizations and what are we doing on the death end? And if those things are down, those are more important than if we have, you know, a million positive cases. You're right. You're right. Uh, hopefully they'll... Hopefully the government will start looking at it like that because things need to get going again and all that stuff. But anyway, let's uh, get more going about the race here. So we went through the mask yeah, requirements. Absolutely. What are the camping requirements? So the camping requirements for MNRC are pretty simple. Um We'll, we'll basically have that overflow lot. They'll still be, you know, first come, first serve for people that want to park track side. Right. It's just going to be, 
where before you would have, you know, like certain people would pull their camper in forward and another person would back up so that their awnings would basically be touching Yep, and make, you know, essentially a makeshift commons area. Okay. Those are the things that we have to avoid. We have to avoid any commons area where, you know, people from different families or, you know, different areas, et cetera, aren't sharing air. Uh, so people can, you know, back their campers up to the fence, you know, and then instead of having five feet between you and the next camper, have 10 feet between you and the next camper, basically just spread out more than what's done in the past. Yep. And then in the overflow lot, we're, we're going to back people in more of at a diagonal versus, uh, having them just line that hill okay. so that more people can back in there. Sure. Sure. That makes sense. Yeah, basically, and I'm going to, you know, jump on to, to Google Maps and then just draw up a quick, you know, here's kind of where we want people, you know, and it, it's going to be crude looking, but it at least will get across kind of what we need to do. Right. We thrown around the idea of, you know, lining or putting stripes down, but, you know, as soon as it rains on the dirt, that stuff goes away anyway, so. Sure, sure. And you could... You know, there's going to be 20 to 30 campers. You could almost direct each and every one once they come in. Yeah, and I, I think that, like I said, most people are pretty respectful to, hey, this is the way it's going to be. I know that uh, the guys from North Dakota contacted me earlier and asked the same question, you know, where can we park, what can we do, this or that. And the, the trackside pitting is the big one. As yes. long as people aren't, you know, sandwiched together or there isn't, you know, a huge commons area, there really won't be any problem. Right, right. Yeah. I'll be pitting from the announcer's booth myself, so. Well, there you go. It's air-conditioned comfort, so if it's 100 above, you'll be good. Right. You know, I was halfway actually thinking about um, ordering the fights there on Saturday night because I don't know if B-dubs will be open for the fights. B dubs is open. Uh, I know they they're... just they have they have limited uh, capacity restrictions, right? Uh, and then obviously you have to wear a mask inside there until you're either eating or drinking. Otherwise, that sure. needs to be on. But uh, how do you guys plan on for the Nitro series? Are you just going to make an announcement at the beginning of the race when you do your pit meeting on on the expectations, or how do you guys push that? You know, basically knowing what our comprehensive plan is on some of your drivers that haven't been up here. We're going to probably leave something on the Facebook page. Corey's really good about that. And I'll talk to him about it tomorrow. Okay. Uh, um, also, yeah, I, I, we'll, we'll say something in the driver's meeting also like, Hey guys, you know, don't, don't be dinks about this. Like in, well, Foley was a little bit different situation because, that was before. Yeah, he's on pri- private land. He's so. on private land, and that was before the mask requirements. Right. No yep. Foley city officials came out, no sheriffs, no nothing. So it's like, yeah, yeah whatever, that. you know? Yep. But this is a whole different situation. You're almost Duluth. You're, you do have people checking in on you and all that other stuff. And then our next race is going to be a different set of challenges because we're in Wisconsin. I don't know what that's going to be like. I'm going to have to talk to the people from there to see what their restrictions are. Yeah, and their their mask deal is different than Minnesota's mask deal in the fine print. So, 
Right. Um, yeah, I, I, I really, it's such a, 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 just a crazy season in, in regards to that. But I think like you and I talked at the state champs, people want to race. And if yeah. that's the inconvenience for the, the, the 10 minutes or on the driver's stand or, you know, for the nitro mains, it's longer. Yeah. I, uh, before, before we mandated it, I tested it and I really don't think it's that big of a deal. It's not. And you know what, now that there is a mask mandate, everybody just needs to get used to it. I mean, I know that sounds weird and whatever, but yeah. And, and I mean, and it, from a political standpoint, you know, we understand and we're, a lot of us are probably in the same behalf where we don't like how it was done, but if this is what we have to do, it's a small price to pay to be able to do the things we want to do. Sure. Sure. And hopefully it's a short term solution rather than a long term one. Oh yeah. Hopefully. Um, let's see here. That is almost it. I think that's about it for my notes. Cause we went through the driver's stand. We went through camping and we went through the mask requirements Oh, that, that's something I should probably add in before we uh, cut it off here is how are you guys doing your signups or how are you doing payments? So you we, guys have a, a digital signup wizard or digital payments? We have, you know, a PayPal link to where it's a PayPal store. So they'll choose their classes and pay online. It wasn't used much, man. And I'm hoping they'll use it more this time around. But a lot of it was people bringing me cash. Uh, you know, I think we had like 30 entries that was digital and like 90, well, not 90 people, but 90 entries were not digital. Entries, yeah. So, so that was a, that was something that I'll suggest to you is our, our envelope and Dropbox system is pretty good. I mean, as far as then you don't have people lining up to the scoring shack and you don't have that big congregation point for everyone trying to get into the computer and signed up. Sure. Sure. So, you know, basically you write your, your name on the envelope and how many total classes you're running and you, you put your money in and put it in the Dropbox, And then, you know, some point during the first day, I don't know who handles your treasury stuff, Corey, uh, but then, they they'd be able to go through and basically say, okay, so and so hasn't paid yet, and yep. you know if, if you guys want to use that system, you're more than welcome. But uh, yeah. I think the biggest thing is making sure that there's not big congregation points. Well, what's crazy is we only had so and again this was fully it was different, but we only had two people at a time up there at most because I started taking entries on Friday. Yep, And then people would just slowly make their way up. And I was worried about that myself, actually, is having a line down the driver's stand. It was one or two people at the most. Yeah, and that's good. And, and that, that, that's going back to when we started the year, that was one of the big things that both the city and the, the, the county and the fair board was like, you know, how do you guys sign up for these races? How do you do right. this or that? And We'll, we'll have you Corey know, push get, a PayPal link more. Because I mean, yeah, I I don't want to discourage anyone from paying with cash because cash is king. I mean, by far and away. Yeah, for sure. But uh, you know that that that's an option that we put out. And realistically, from my standpoint, you know, prior, you know, every race night that we hosted, I had to sit at the end of the trailer and have a line of people come up to pay. And you know, it'd be 
half an hour, 45 minutes. And then for these big races, sometimes longer, not having to do that because of COVID, I don't know that I'm ever going to go away from it, even when it's gone. Yeah. You know, that is nice uh, not being crowded. Well, and then, I mean, when you get done with work, you want to eat dinner and get your cars ready for the night. And when you're constantly having to, you know, grab people money, grab people change, you know, then everyone wants to talk too. I mean, it just, it gets to be uh, a challenge. So. Sure. Yeah, I get it. I get it. But yeah, we'll push a PayPal link a little more and then. Yeah. The online signup too. I mean, if you guys have those things, I think that that aid the process all the way around. It works so well. And I wish more people would do it. It really does work so well. So, yeah, even, I mean, like for Thursday nights, we've been just, you know, putting a link up on our Facebook page. You know, we, we haven't had great luck with the, the RC sign-up. So, you know, and getting people from A to B. So if we're already having those problems with that, you know, why not just have people sign up? And uh, Mark Poner, our, our race director, you know, he said that it's great, too, for his, he can get people pre-entered before anyone even gets there. Right, right. That helps out a lot. Yeah, then when then instead of him sitting in the the scoring track for forty five minutes before the race night starts, he can go socialize or grab a beer or you know do whatever he wants to do. Then you know when the race night starts, then he can go in the shack. Sure, sure. All right. Well, let's see here. It's getting to be about that time. There was only a couple questions, and it seems like we answered them all throughout the whole thing. Yeah, I think so too. So I think we should possibly call it here sounds good well thanks for having me and uh we look forward to having the, the nitro series uh this weekend no problem Hopefully the, the weather forecast uh is good and uh, the racing is good as well yeah no problem it's it's always a great time up at your guys's club whether it be carpet or dirt or whatever you know i did have one more question so i heard that on the carpet side, entry was so low because you have to put up the track every night and, and take it down every night and all that. And I heard there was a little bit of rumor about finding a permanent location for the carpet track to where you could leave it laid out. Have you guys continued the search or have you kind of pumped the brakes on it? No, actually, we've been searching even harder. That's one of the things that. Uh, it's not really public information, but... Uh, Do you want me to cut this the, out? The, no, you're fine. The, okay. the National Guard, I mean, with the, the civil unrest in America, with uh, the riots and everything like that, they're on alert right now still. Yes. So they are not accepting, like, we have a short-term lease, meaning that we're in there a couple of nights, you know, say 12 Thursdays throughout the winter and then a couple of Saturdays. Right. As of today, they will not accept any short-term leases because if something goes south, they need to have the the soldiers in there to get ready to go where they're going. Okay. So we've been looking for space, and we've looked in Duluth, we've looked in Superior, we've looked in Hermantown, and uh, we're trying to find that spot that will accept. I mean, because we need basically November to March. We need a, a short-term lease. You know, obviously we don't have, with our, our summer outdoor, we don't have the need for an indoor space, you know, for that time of the year. 
right but we right. need to find something for the winter so we're uh we're, we're definitely pursuing that uh obviously the readiness of the guard could change and we could get in there possibly after the first of the year that's not off the table completely okay but uh we we definitely need to figure that out yes setup and teardown does cut our numbers though i mean for sure and we we see that in the summertime where you know a lot of people show up for that but at the same time there's a lot of work that goes into getting that track ready too and we we've been trying to get more members to help out do work etc so right yeah uh, that's always a tough thing about a volunteer based system is getting people to actually put in the work and i know it's going to boost morale with all your helpers up there that you actually had somebody come up you paid somebody to come up to rough in a track well and realistically too i mean selling all the extra memberships for people that don't race we had that money in the budget to do it so that took a little bit of the stress off the guys who normally do the track work sure by by getting creative on some of those other things financially i mean that's aiding that process you know and like uh, Thursday night, we ran our club race, and immediately following the club race, we said, whoever can stick around, we need to get the, the pipes off the track, get the drainage pipes, get everything out of the way so he can just come up and start cutting in with the skid steer. Right, And right. On, on Thursday night, we finished at about 9.35, and by 10 o'clock, we had everything completely scraped off the track. I mean, we had like 25 guys that were out there busting tail. It was awesome to see. I mean, it was really nice as a club to see people come together well and that's so what shout, makes, out, shout out to the club members right on and i was gonna say that's what makes the final race of the moto dome so awesome with the mnrc because we have the same thing we have to pull the pipe before we leave for the winter so the owner of the track can flatten it himself and build a moto track in there we have yep. all the mnrc racers i'd say half of them help pull pipe so, and again, it's like 10 minutes. It, it happens really quick when you get a good group like that going. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's nice to see. So, yeah. All right, we'll uh, end it here. I'm Joe Zer Jr., and tonight with me was Nick Lovato, and we've ran out of talent.